So what I felt like the Lord was uh, saying to us is, um, you know, Jesus always has more energy than us. Uh, you know, he's the one of infinite energy. And I know that many of us may be coming to the end of the year and feeling quite tired. But I felt like the Lord would still want to put a little bit of his energy in front of us. And we know that that energy works in us, which is the Holy Spirit that he's put in us. And I really felt the Lord wanted to remind us of the opportunity that Christmas and the holidays presents in the area of relationships, particularly relationships that are close to you, family relationships. So for some of us, we the closest relationships in our lives, mom, dad, brother, sister, son, daughter, actually happen only over this time of Christmas. And if you are alone, um, maybe best friends, you know, I think you pick your your friends over this time as well. It's, it's a time where we gathering with those who have traditionally been closest to us. And I felt like the Lord said, don't waste that opportunity. You know, some of us might feel that we just want to, okay, I just, I don't want to see people for, you know, I just want to unwind and uh, be under my proverbial um, um, tree. Um, I was palm tree. And, and just relax, you know. And, but I felt like the Lord wanted to say, don't waste this time. And um, this time is also a time where we normally are held up with work. You know, work consumes the whole year. But this time, for many of us, we go on to leave. So it's a new season. And we need to recognize that season. It's a season where you're, in some ways your focus changes from work to family. And I felt like the Lord wanted to just remind us of that and the importance of family and relationships close to you because, and the role that you're going to play over the next few weeks. And the reality is, is that no matter, I've talked about God's energy in us, no matter what, where we feel we're at, God has put his Holy Spirit in us. We are his children. He's our father. And he calls us to be a certain thing. And the scripture I open with is Matthew five forty-seven to 48. And it says, and if you greet only your brothers, so he's talking about relationships in general. If, if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. So basically just everyone. Um, the context is, is in the verse before, he says, we generally only in the world love those who love us. And this is something different. Even the world just loves those who love us, but we're called to something more. And God says, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And the context here is relationships. God is asking us to be perfect in our relationships. And I know for many of us, we might think, but that's impossible. Um, I think that God wants to put it in front of us as a target. He would never say you therefore, and the context is relationships here, you therefore be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. So God is calling us to be perfect in our relationships at least as a target. And not only that, I'd like to suggest why would God ask us to do something unless it was in some degree achievable? So God is putting a target in front of us in the area of relationships. As relationships is the season we're going into. Be perfect. In those relationships, as far as your side is concerned, 
You are never in control of the other person, but you are in control of yourself. And as God's child, as God puts that in front of you, be perfect in the context of relationships as I am perfect. That we need to grapple with that. We need to go, okay, Lord, you put this in front of me. You've put your Holy Spirit in, in front of me. There's no way that you ask me to do this without some belief that because of your Holy Spirit in me that you want to achieve this. Maybe not I'm going to nail it every time, but I'm going to give it a good go. Um, God asks us to, to, in our relationships with one another, to treat others the way that he treats others. And we see that in Matthew 5, 44. And in the ESV, God says, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons or daughters of your Father who is in heaven. So he's talking about enemies here. Okay, He's saying, love your enemies. I mean, that's always the greatest challenge. You know, It's easy to love our friends. To love those who could be our enemies. You know, maybe it's someone at work that you just don't like and they just don't like you. Whatever it is, you know, maybe it's a family relationship. There's a sister that you just can't connect with. Maybe they're not like an enemy, but maybe they, you know, that would be something that you would find relevant. I do actually find hard to love them. So God's saying you need to love them. And then he says, for he makes... His son rises on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the, and on the unjust. God treats everyone the same. He even rain, rain which is a, a, a symbolic of blessing. He even bless, blesses those who hate him. That's the generosity of God. As he pours out his blessing on all the earth, those who love him and those who don't. I think as believers we can... Believe that God, as we walk in his favor, that we will experience even more blessing. But there's a generic, general blessing that God pours out on everyone. He treats everyone the same. He doesn't pour out his judgments and his wrath on those that deserve it straight away. He's patient. He's, the scriptures say he waits for them to come to repentance. And while he waits for them to come to repentance, he sometimes pours out their blessing on them. I think we look at some unbelievers and we go, why on earth are they doing so well? Well, there's the scripture that explains why they're doing so well. He pours out, he treats them with generosity. And God's asking us to do the same. You know with that person that you don't really like? God's saying, no, you bless them too because I do it. You love on them, you love them, because I love too. So God's, and, and his spirit is in us. So he's asking us to be like him. And there's a, there's a part of us, that Holy Spirit regenerated part, that born againness, that, he's call, that the scriptures are calling us to. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You're not just an ordinary human being. And when you go to your Christmas dinner and you go to your family, whatever, be God's representative there. God loves family. And he's the originator of all things family. Ephesians three fourteen to 15 says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth 
is named. We see in Ephesians 6, 2-3, it says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. I know our earthly mums and dads don't represent God perfectly. Sometimes they totally miss it. Some of us have had good dads, some of us have bad dads. But at the end of the day, they still, to some degree, represent what God put in from the beginning of time. Family, father, mother, son, daughter. And we, we see how the enemy tries to destroy that model of family. And as we honor our mother and father, and it doesn't necessarily mean as you go over 18 that you should, you know, do I still have to obey my mom or dad when I'm like 47? No, you don't, but you, no, you should honor them. You don't have to obey them, but you should honor them. They should feel an honor. They should go, when dad says, I, I really want you to do this, and you're like, dad, I'm not going to do that, but I just really love you. <laughs> I'm still honoring my dad, but I'm not necessarily doing what he's saying I must do. The honor is there. And then it comes with a promise that it may go well with you. God's intention is so much through family relationships that they stay intact. Because they represent his original intention. That family thing that he institutes on earth. We can't under-spiritualize it. When you're at your family dinner and there's mum or dad or you mum or dad and there's Johnny and Mary, your kids... God's there, and he's wanting those relationships as a target to be perfect, as he is perfect. And he's saying, I put my spirit in you so that you could do that. And not only that, he continues to be a good example to us. We can look to God as the expert in relationships. God is the perfect father. So those of you that are fathers here, who's a father? He is an example to you. In Matthew 7, 9 to 11, it says, Which of you, if your son asks for bread and gives him a stone, or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, earthly fathers, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Most of us try to be good dads. We try to be loving dads. But even the best of the best, compared to God, the, the scripture says we're, we're like evil. That's how perfect God is as a father. He's so perfect as a father, so loving as a father, that even the best fathers on earth are considered evil compared to him. That's how glorious he is. And I trust that as we worship later, that's what we come before. We come before a God that is worthy to be worshipped. He's the perfect father. For those of you that are sons or daughters, which is everyone here, okay? You're a son or daughter, and you're over the Christmas table, and God asks you to be perfect. He asks you to be a perfect son or daughter as a target as much as possible. Don't be a muppet. Don't be rude. Be loving. Be generous. Be cool. Don't make things more difficult. Matthew 3.17, we know that God was in the body of a man, Jesus Christ, 2000, lived 2,000 years ago in the Middle East. And God the Father, as he's baptizing him, um, John the Baptist is orchestrating that. 
God speaks over Jesus and says, And a voice from heaven said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. God even knows how to be a good son. So he knows how to be a good father. He knows how to be a perfect father. He even knows how to be a perfect son. So that spirit of Jesus in you can teach you how to be a perfect son or daughter. And you may never hear those words from your mom or dad on earth. Well done. I'm pleased with you. But you'll hear it from your father in heaven. And maybe from your father and mother on earth. But you'll get it from him. We know who is a brother or sister. Unless you're a single child, you're a brother or sister. Um, we, we, won't, we won't identify the single children. I've, my, my child's a single child. So far. Okay? We don't have any plans anymore, okay? <laughs> that ship has sailed. We're very happy with one, okay? <laughs> okay the hole's far too deep today. Hebrews 2.11, Jesus is the example of a perfect brother or a perfect, well, brother, you can, you can say sister as well, yeah? Hebrews 2.11, for he who sanctifies, that's God, he makes things holy, cleans them. And those who are sanctified, that's us, we are being made holy or being cleaned through the process of sanctification, all have one source, God. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. Now, some of you might have had older brothers or sisters that are like ashamed to take you to the movies. You know, you were the younger brother or sister, and they were like, you weren't cool enough. Did anyone have that experience? Okay, so older brother or sister didn't really want to be seen with you in public because you weren't cool enough. Maybe when they were young, it was okay, and as they got to the teenage years, you just weren't cool enough. Jesus is not like this. Even though he's God, even though he's perfect, He's the master of the universe. He, he takes little you. Yucky's not little, but Yucky. He takes little you and he goes, brother. I mean, isn't that incredible? That God, thank you, Yucky. That God would do that with us through Jesus. That Jesus would call us brother. I mean, our little, infinite, little, tiny ant humans that aren't even, don't even do well. And that he is not ashamed to call us brothers. Ladies, you can be a brother, yeah? I've got to be a bride, okay? So, isn't that incredible? So he is the perfect brother. And then finally, God is the perfect friend. John fifteen fifteen, Through Jesus, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I mean, this is incredible. This is God speaking to us. I have called you friends. I mean, God doesn't even want us just to be servants. He wants more than that. He wants us to be his friends. We know that he called Abram a friend. My Abram, my friend, it says. We know that he called, he spoke to Moses face to face. The scriptures say, as someone speaks to a friend. That God wants to be friends with us. It's incredible truth. And then Jesus is the perfect friend. John fifteen thirteen. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And we know that's what Jesus did. He laid down his life for us. He laid down his life for his brothers and sisters, us, that he also calls his friends.
So we know that God models to us being a perfect father. That's your target. There's Holy Spirit in you. We know that God calls us to be, let me go back through the list, a perfect son or daughter. He's modeled, it, he's modeled that to us. He's put a spirit in us, to us to be that as well. We know that God has modeled being a perfect brother. He calls us to be a good brother or a good sister through his Holy Spirit in us. To our other brothers and sisters around us. And especially this Christmas season where we sometimes it's our only access to them the whole year. And finally, God models to us being a perfect friend. We lay down our lives for our friends. Because I know some of you guys might not be with family. Who doesn't actually have family because you, they're in Joburg or Durban or, okay. So you guys are going to be with friends. And something I wanted to say is please, we don't want anyone, one of you to be alone over Christmas. So we know Bobby has got an open house on Christmas Eve. So I, I don't want to invite people to other person's house. But, um, um, there's a few guys doing this, okay? So, um, so please don't be alone over Christmas, yeah? We actually had a word from Clarence, a prophetic word earlier. He just really felt that Christmas is a key time um, for, for us to be strengthened. And don't, you're not going to get strengthened completely alone. Part of being strengthened is being with others, yeah? To cheer you up. And I'll finish with this. And um, the scripture says this, Romans 5, 5, it's always stuck with me. It says, and our hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. And King James Version says, and hope maketh not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. There's something about the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts, that statement. I know it's old school English. But he's put his love in our hearts. And the story for me is, and I've shared it many times, my dad. You know, my, my, my dad and I didn't have a good relationship growing up. There was always a separation. You know, my dad's Portuguese as well. And in that culture, after 13, you don't really hug anymore. There's like this professional distance. And uh, when I got saved, I just can't do a relationship like that anymore because Jesus has put his love in my heart. So I started to, and I'll use my wife for example, I started to, because I don't want to kiss Yaku, so. <laughs> so I started to hug my dad, and he didn't really like it, but something inside of him liked it. <laughs> so I, I, I'm, I'm being a son now. He doesn't know how to be, my dad doesn't know how to be a father, but I'm, God has taught me how to be a son. So now I'm just being a son, and sons hug. And then I started to kiss my dad. And my dad didn't like it, but something inside of my dad did like it. Because that's what sons do. And now I hug my dad and I kiss my dad. And he loves it. Because Jesus has taught me how to be a son. Thanks, Donna. (laughs) Jesus has taught me how to be a son. And through me, he's indirectly learned how to be a father. Isn't that incredible? And that's what God can do through you. He can, through you, teach the other person to be who they're supposed to be. Because God's in the game of restoring relationships. That's what he does. He restores relationships. First of all, between us and God, and then sideways with each other. He turns the hearts of the fathers to the sons, and the hearts of the sons to the fathers. 